My purpose in life is to leave my dent in the universe in absolutely everything I do, as well as to inspire and help others do the same. For someone to leave their dent in my life is a privilege. For me to leave my dent in someone else's life is an honor. But to inspire and help others leave their own dent in the universe is an indescribable feeling. I plan on doing this through this podcast by celebrating my guests and inspiring my listeners, all while leaving my own dent in the universe and helping others do the same. My name is Fer Andrade, and this is Denting. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Denting with Fed. Today, I have a really special guest. It's a talk I'm really excited about, a very unique story. I'm here with fellow Saintsman, Andreas Padilla. Andreas, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Thanks for being here. Um, rough start at the beginning, <laughs> but second take, I hope this is the one that will work. Um, once again, would you like to introduce yourself for those that may not know you? Absolutely. Well, my name is Andreas Padilla. I graduated from St. Augustine High School, class of 2017. Upon my graduation from Saints, actually the day after I graduated high school, I moved out to Alabama and started working um, this, the summer football camps. And I worked as an equipment manager for Alabama for the last four years. Um, my first year I was working with the DBs. Um, and then my, third, my second, third, and fourth year I was working with the special teams and tight ends. Um, Upon my graduation, I accepted a director of football operations job at the at Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida. So I'll be getting my master's in uh, business administration with a concentration in sports management. That's special. Yeah. That's, that's a special resume right there. Absolutely. Um, so let's go back to to how it started from the from the very beginning. Um, you started. When, when did your passion for football really start? You know, I really didn't even know I had a passion for football until I kind of got thrown into the, uh, kind of got thrown into it all. I was in Coach Sanchez's PE class freshman year, um, didn't play freshman football at Saints, um, and a buddy of mine came up to me and, and said, you know, what do you think about playing JV football next year? So, you know, I gave it some thought, and then uh, I, I told him, you know what, let's, let's do it. So I went up to Coach Sanchez. Um, he said, he, you know, he wanted Albert on the team, but he was gonna make me an equipment manager. So my sophomore, junior, and senior year at Saints, I worked as the equipment manager, and I uh, fell in love with it. I actually, freshman year, I, I wanted to be a dermatologist. Uh, yeah. Sophomore year, I took biology, hated science, <laughs> and from there on, I, I kind of realized that I wanted to work in sports. Yeah, and I mean, Coach Sanchez, for those that may not know, um, former Saints football coach currently at SCSU, and how, first off, how did you take that news that, you know what, I want, well, did you even want to play football or was it just for your buddy? I think a part of me wanted to learn football and, and have some experience playing it. Um, I was very optimistic about about the opportunity when, when he uh, proposed it to me. Okay. Um, I knew it wasn't going to be as glamorous as being on the field, but I was, I was optimistic about it and, and I wanted to see what it was all about. And when... When you were told, you know what, you're going to be the equipment manager, how did you take that? I, you know, I, I just went with it. Okay. You know, it was, it was one of those things where, you know, I, I just wanted to see how it would go. And, and I, I 
ended up falling in love with it. You know, did it all three years at Saints. And then it got me to where I am today. So I'm, I'm, I'm blessed for the opportunity, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And how were those early experiences as a manager, especially with JV? And when did you get bumped up to varsity? And what was really your, your role there? Because I'm a bit familiar with it because of some friends, but maybe many people don't know. So what did you do as a JV or overall high school uh, equipment manager? So actually, I started off my sophomore year. I was the varsity uh, equipment manager, okay. and I was the I was the head manager from from the start. Um, you know, the stage that I was in in my equipment career then is a lot similar to the stage I'm in right now as a director of football operations. Interesting. In which I'm learning a lot about the role. Um, I'm kind of learning how everything works you know, assessing equipment. That's one of the big things I'm doing right now. Um, so there's just a lot to be learned, a lot about the operations aspect, both at Saints and at Southeastern University. But I just, I, I attacked the challenge. Uh, I knew that, you know, it was going to be a challenge. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was, it was really cool. You know, I first started uh, as a, as a filmer. So I was filming kind of the wide angles at practice and then we would take that wide angle with the end zone angle that we had another filmer filming. And then after practice, I'd run into the football office and I'd put that into the computer. And there was a lot of trial and error at first because there wasn't a lot of coordination between the two filmers. No. And the coaches wanted it, basically every play to be the same clip. So what I'd have to do is kind of splice the film up and have it so that the, the coaches can watch one clip, it was the wide angle. You know, the next clip was the end zone angle, and then it was the next play. It kind of took us a few weeks to get on a roll where every practice we were filming the same play. Um, but after that, it was just, it was not easy sailing, but it was a lot, definitely a lot easier. Yeah, I mean, I, I can completely relate to the trial and error, especially with recording. I mean, right now we have <laughs> these three cameras, so it's the one I'm looking at, the one you're, yeah. you're looking at, and then this third one. So it's it's a bit of a mix up with that. What, um, what system or how did you edit it? Like, what did you use to edit those videos? So in high school, we used um, Game Day. Game Day. Okay. Game Day was a, was a big system that we used in high school. Uh, I don't know what we used at Alabama, what the filmers used. Okay. I was kind of not really associated with the whole filming aspect of, of uh, football in, okay. in college. Um, and now we use Huddle at Southeastern University. Nice. So yeah, Huddle's, Huddle's, are, nice. Huddle's huge. So you can edit with that? Yeah. Okay. So Huddle, you can kind of um, you know cut up the film. Um, I don't know too much about... Uh, about you know, merging the two clips together. Yeah. I think you just have to play one clip and then the next clip. Um, but it's, I mean, that's what we've been using at, at Southeastern is Huddle. Nice. Yeah. And um, so you talk about that filming in the beginning. Um, assessing equipment, what, what does that mean? Or what exactly is the process of assessing the equipment itself? Well, specifically right now, I mean, I'm, I'm coming into a new place where I don't know what kind of equipment we have, you know, what the standard of the equipment is. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm getting there, both at Saints and at Southeastern, and I'm just, I'm assessing what we have, kind of what we need. If we do need anything, then I'm, I'm informing the head coach that we need to make some orders because, you know, certain position coaches want certain things for their individual positions during practice. Um, so that was one of the things that we had to do at Saints. I had to order... Um, like just new pads, 
stuff like that and so you know just at practice we had enough enough equipment yeah so that's at saints and that was sophomore year when you started a junior year senior year when did you decide you know what i want to do this in college as well i think it was between my well i think originally it was about my sophomore year when i decided i don't want to be a dermatologist anymore (laughs) But I think it was my between my junior and my senior year when I realized that there is actually you know a future in this, possibly a career. Um, definitely, you know, at the collegiate level, I wanted to do it. I didn't realize it was going to be something that I wanted, you know, working in sports just yet. But um, yeah, it was it was coming into my senior year when I realized that there are you know college managers. So I uh, do you know uh, Coach Spencer? Uh, I think I do. Yeah, I Coach, I do. so Coach Spencer was helping us out, and um, I basically went up to Coach Spencer and Coach Sanchez, and I informed them that you know I, I have a interest in doing this in in college. Yeah. So uh, they said, you know, that's that's great. Let let us know, you know, when you get into Alabama. And I I told them I was thinking about Alabama. I was thinking okay. of other schools like Oregon, um, LSU, just big football schools, you know. And basically, if I if I got in there, um, and heard back from the equipment department, then I kind of knew I was going. So, um, I was actually sitting in uh, senior year English class with Mr. Lomorado. Shout out, I, Mr. Lomorado! Yeah, <laughs> shout out to Mr. Lomorado. Um, when I got my email, or got my email from my my uh, the head equipment manager at Alabama, and he just emailed me saying who he was and that you know there was a spot available, and that's kind of right right then in that moment I knew that I, I wanted to go to Alabama to to work in equipment. And I'm just beyond blessed that the opportunity was there and that it worked out the way that it did. And when, when you were applying to colleges or had colleges in mind, um, you mentioned big football schools, obviously. The three that you mentioned are, are big schools. Um, how much of a role did that management play in you choosing those schools? For example, what I'm trying to say is, at least for me, first I was looking into the soccer aspect and that recruitment and then I ended up applying to that college was it I mean obviously the process is different for you but did, were you thinking the whole time you know what let me apply to big football schools because that's what I want to focus on yeah. throughout my four years I think the prerequisite for me um, in a university was you'd probably be a power five school you know okay. ACC Big 12 Big 10 um, SEC Pac-12 Pac-12 yeah <laughs> um I just I wanted a big a big school experience. I wanted a you know the raw raw football experience. I'm actually lucky that Alabama was you know kind of the first school I heard back from, um, and it was just you know once I heard from them I, I knew I was going to Alabama. Um, but before accepting you know the opportunity or before accepting to go to a school I I had to hear back from the equipment you know department and. Um, like I said, thankfully, I was able to hear back from, from Alabama Equipment. Pretty pretty soon. Yeah. So you graduate. Next day, you're headed to, to camp. What's it like? Because for many football players, camp in college is the thing they're looking forward to the most. Their whole, at least high school experience, if not even before that. What was it like for you showing up, not at any college football team you're showing up at Nick Saban's camp you're showing up with stars that are currently in the NFL 
what were you thinking? What was it like showing up on that field? So actually, that first camp that I showed up to was a high school football camp that, oh, that okay. college camps or that college uh, colleges put on. But there was still, you know, amazing talent there. You know, there was five star alignment. There I mean, was, some ended ended up playing at Alabama uh, for sure. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. But I was still very. What's the word for it? I was very anxious. Okay. I, I, I didn't know what I was walking into. I didn't, I didn't really understand the scale of the facilities that I was going to be working at. Um, I was just, you know, we like to call it bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. That's the way I was. I was just, I was looking for what ways that I could, you know, contribute and kind of stand out. I knew that, you know, moving out the day after that I graduated high school was going to stand out to my bosses. Um, and you know that's what I wanted because I wanted to be hired yeah. um, as soon as possible. But I, I don't really think that I could truly expect what I was walking into. Yeah. With with the hiring, so it's not something that you go into and maybe get a scholarship for or anything like that. It's a job. It's a full time job or part timer. So the way it works is. Um, we get trainees, and okay. trainees only work one practice a week. You work Thursday nights packing the truck, and then you work like five home games. You don't travel as a trainee, yeah. um, nor are you paid. And it's basically from this trainee pool where the equipment, our bosses, the full-time equipment guys, we have two full-time equipment guys and, and then an intern, um, they hire from this trainee pool. So there's five, uh, 15 full-time managers, and my first year... Um, my freshman year, I was a trainee, so I didn't, you know, I only worked like five home games, wasn't, wasn't on staff or anything. The day after the national championship, we won, you know, Tua threw the ball to Devontae Smith. What a, yeah. Yeah, that was a great game. Um, but the day after is when I got the phone call saying that I was hired. Wow. So, I, I mean, that was basically the earliest hiring period because... You know, the seniors that were leaving after the season, they kind of left after the national championship game. That's just the way it works out. So there were spots available, you know, literally the day after. And I was I was blessed to have one of those spots. That's interesting to me that, that you mentioned that. And it's something I, I definitely, um, hmm, I wouldn't say obsessed, but maybe just I admire it at a completely different level. Uh, Alabama football is where it is for a reason. It's not just overnight success. And you mentioning that the staff is already working literally the day after the national championship, literally the day after such a big game. What is, first off, what's the culture like there? Obviously, many people know, but not many people know, no, but... What I'm trying to say is, what is it like for someone in your position and how much are you, like how committed do you have to be in comparison to the student athletes? Is it full time you're there as well, literally the day after, or is it not as much or, or what's your role there within the Alabama football culture? Well, the commitment level at Alabama is um, absolutely insane. You know, that, that's something that I tell people, you know, they, I'll get people that come up to me and say, you know, I want to be a equipment manager too. Like, uh, can you help me get my foot in the door? And the first thing I say to them is, do you realize how much of a time, uh, time commitment this is? I mean, you don't get to 
go out, you know, at date parties at Alabama on, on Thursday nights because you're busy packing the truck. Um, you're working during the season. You're almost working every day. Um, even on Sundays, we work. You know, after so, like we'd get back from road games at like two a.m. in the morning, three a.m., four a.m. I mean, sometimes we'd even get back at like like eight a.m. depending on how far away the game was. Yeah, I mean, there were some games that were like night games, um, like Missouri, for example. Missouri was a night game. Um, my I believe in my senior year and the bus crew thankfully I was on the flight I was on the flight for that so I got to uh, get home early but the bus crew got back at like I think 7 a.m. it was yeah and then um, you got to work the next day basically cleaning the jerseys unpacking the trunks getting everything ready for the next Saturday so in terms of you know the season it's a non-stop grind it's it's honestly unreal how much of a well-oiled machine a program like Alabama is. Um, everybody knows that they have a job and everybody is, you know, kind of focused on their specific job because you have a higher power, you know, you have a, a boss that, I mean, everyone's got a boss. But it's it's almost kind of elevated when your boss's boss is Coach Saban and if you mess up your part of the job, then your boss is going to hear from Coach Saban and then you basically get down. Yeah you get uh, that yelling kind of passed down to you. Yeah. Thankfully, I didn't get yelled at too much. There were a few times that I did get yelled at. Um, but, I mean, it's the commitment level is insane tonight, and I always tell people that, um, you know, right up, even after the national championship, there's still work to be done. Um, it almost is a year-round job, not necessarily for equipment, uh, student managers, definitely for my bosses, you know, who are who have things scheduled all around the year, whether it be recruit visits, um, just like organized team activities that we have to be there. Basically, anytime the team has to be, you know, at the facility, either doing like a seven on seven or, or a full on practice or a walkthrough or anything, the equipment managers have to be there because there's laundry that needs to be passed out. You know, yep. these players, these players aren't always gonna keep track of their laundry. No, no. And you, yeah, exactly. So they'll have to come up to the equipment room saying, you know, I can't find my, my, my workout shirt. And what would happen if the equipment manager weren't there, you know? Yeah. They would, they would, everyone has to be in uniform and it's our job to make sure that everyone's in the uniform. And if the equipment managers aren't there, then, then, uh, you know, obviously Coach Shaman's going to be yelling at my, at our, at our bosses. So. Yeah. But it def- things definitely do slow down after the national championship. You know, once we get through that week of, um, you know, putting the trunks away for the storage for the kind of the season, we kind of, uh, as student equipment managers, we go to working about eight hours a week for a few weeks um, while the players are doing the fourth quarter conditioning program. Okay. Um, so, yeah, things do slow down in the spring just a little bit. You mentioned uh, players not always having their things ready. And I mean, that really makes sense, um, especially in a football program because of how many players there are. I can relate to that in a way, and I'm talking about not as big as a program, and I'm talking about a soccer program where, where there's less players. But out of curiosity, what would happen if a player didn't show up in uniform at Alabama? Or did that just never happen at all? So, you know, uniform is something that we stress a lot at, at Alabama. Um, 
even when players are coming out onto the field, Coach Saban is yelling at guys to untuck. Uh, you know, sometimes they'll like they'll roll up their jersey inside yeah. their their shoulder pads, and he all, he's always t- you know yelling at them like, "Put your jersey in your pants," you know, "Tuck your jersey in your pants." So uh, the uniform is something that's very heavily stressed at Alabama. Um, on game day, we have plenty of backups uh, for players in case you know they bust through a pair of cleats. Yeah. Um, I mean, a player can't play if, if he doesn't have a backup pair of cleats. So that's something that we, as equipment managers, need to make sure that he's got. But at practice, you know, say we can't find a player's helmet. I mean, that that player can't practice that day. No. Yeah. They only have – players only have two helmets. Um, some players, like quarterbacks and specialists, only have one. Um, and that's just so we can kind of – well, they only really need one because they're not they're not taking the impact like a O lineman or D lineman um, are taking. But if he doesn't have his helmet, then he can't practice. And then if you don't practice, yeah, that, you don't play for at least one, two games. Or, or did that ever even happen? Honestly, because I think that obviously the coach Saban just won't allow it. But I'm curious to know if the players are. That at that level of discipline as well, or if they're just formed that way by the coach. Well, thankfully, you know, it never happened where a player had to, um, you know, not play a game because he didn't practice that week due to equipment yeah. issues. But there have been other disciplinary issues that um, the staff has had to, you know, hold a player out of a game for for a certain reason. Yeah. No, I mean that that's completely understandable. When it happens yeah, everywhere, and I've seen it in so many sports, um, whether at my time at Cal or. Or somewhere else so that makes complete sense um, so moving on your, your sophomore year you get that call what's up next I mean you, you mentioned that in the spring obviously it's a bit lighter but what happened right after that did your roles change or what was your your feeling with that phone call and then afterwards the realization that all right it's time to work well I think once I got that phone call um, I knew immediately what the phone call was going to be about. Okay. Um, I was, you know, just immediate excitement just, just going through me. Um, but then right after that, I knew I, it was time to truly buckle down. You know, now I had an official title, so I couldn't, I had to take college a lot more seriously. You know, my time management, I had to take a lot more seriously. Um, my first semester uh, as a freshman, so this was my spring semester of freshman year, I was working with the defensive backs. Okay. And it was actually, I was standing behind Coach Saban on, um, at one practice, and there was a picture taken of us. It was myself and then my boss and then Coach Saban. And I saw that. And this picture was actually in uh, Sports Illustrated. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I, but, I, saw, I saw that you posted it, right? And it's yeah. like uh, working with my dog or something <laughs> yeah, like that, right? Yeah. Um, but my attitude in terms of the job it never really changed. I, every day that I showed up to work at Alabama, I knew that it was, you know, head down, focus on what's at task and just do it to the best of my, you know, my capabilities. So that's just, you know, that's, that's the way it went. My first semester working with the DBs, they actually did switch me. Um, after, you know, that spring semester of freshman year, they, uh, switched me to the special teams and the tight ends where I stayed for the rest of my time um, with Alabama. But I mean, just likewise, I, I never really changed my attitude about the job. And it, it was kind of funny because 
you know, amongst the equipment staff, we kind of joke about working with the special teams and the tight ends is not really being as glamorous as working with the quarterbacks or working with the wide receivers. You know, Alabama's known for their wide receivers and yeah. their quarterbacks and their O-line and, and their and just basically every other position but, you know, special teams. If, if there's anything that Alabama's known for, it's probably known for not having, historically, you know, not having great kickers. Yeah. Um, you know, kickers have have uh, just kind of a bad rap at Alabama. Okay. Um, so it's kind of ironic, actually, for someone, you know, some, some kid from San Diego to get thrown into the spotlight and at Alabama's, at Alabama, you know, with basically the most hated position at Alabama because, <laughs> you know, diehard fans, like, they will, they will dog cuss our kickers whenever they miss. Wow. But it's, it's, it's kind of funny how it comes full circle because, um, you know, my junior year, we actually ended up losing a game to Auburn due to a kick, a missed kick. Um, and the fans stormed the field, and it was just a heartbreaking loss. You know, we, we missed the playoff because of the loss. But, you know, senior year, we actually had one of the best years, special teams-wise, that Alabama's ever had. Our, our kicker didn't miss a single uh, kick. Um, and it was, it was, you know, something great to be a part of. Um, but it was just... <laughs> it was uh i mean it was it was it was awesome yeah i mean that's that's special um in every sense yeah. and you you talked about your attitude right now uh you talked about how you impressed the your bosses by showing up the day after graduation i think that many people um doesn't matter what job it is i i think many people don't understand that to excel at whatever it is you you have to work harder than the person next to you. And for many people in college athletics, the first thing the majority will think of is the athlete, right? But in your case, what extra things did you do or, or how did you show that attitude to your bosses and just to everyone around you to say, you know what, I'm here to do a serious job. I'm here to work at the level that Alabama football requires me to work at? Well, a lot of it, I, I just try to kind of, you know, mind my own business and just, kind of just like stay in my own lane. I didn't try to, you know, get a, get caught up with the affairs of, of, of other people. I just basically tried to not necessarily outwork other people because there's kind of a competition aspect to that. Yeah. And we are a team, you know, we're not an individual, you know, it's not a, it's not a equipment competition. I was in a way kind of trying to outwork my, myself. Um, I guess that's the best way to put it. If I did, you know, notice that someone was, was slacking, um, or notice that, you know, they were about to be yelled at or called out for something, I, I would help them and kind of just, you know, tell them, you know, like, Hey, you know, you might want to, you might want to fix that before a coach gets to, gets on you about that. Um, but I w- would never try to, you know, throw somebody under the bus for something just to make myself look look better. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and I get that. And I think you, you bring up a special point where it's you're competing against yourself. I have this, this phrase on, in my mind that anytime I'm working out or just training, um, I think it's you versus you. Yeah. And that's, that's what it should be and what it is, at least for me, the whole time. Because 
I mean, my, my personal experience, I redshirted my freshman year and I was like, you know what, I, I have to be better than, than this or this or this guy. And then I realized, you know what, no, it's, it has nothing to do with the guy next to me. Sure, I will outwork them in whatever way I can outside of practice, but really once I'm there, it's only against myself. Like the, the whole point is to, to improve on who I was yesterday, who I was a week ago or last game or, or whatever. And, and that's my mentality towards that. So I measured it as to how I was doing in practice or my performance there. Um, how many minutes I was getting or, or things like that my sophomore year. How do you measure it? How does an equipment manager measure, you know what, I'm doing better in this aspect or I improved from last game in this area? How, how do you measure that? Is, are there any metrics with your bosses or, or anything you guys had in mind? Well, you know, during the season, a lot of it is um, routine. But one of the things that I would always kind of run through my head um, after I'd be leaving the facility, if I, if I did mess up, um, was like, how can I, you know, how can I fix that tomorrow? How can I get better tomorrow? And it's actually funny you said, um, you said just outworking yesterday because that was literally a, a slogan that like once you walk into the facility from the player entrance at, at Alabama, you look on the right and it says outwork yesterday. And that's, that's literally a motto that all the players, including basically everyone in the, in the building tries to do is just outwork yesterday. And you just do that by, you know, getting better, you know, fixing your mistakes. You know, it's okay to make mistakes, but making mistakes over and over again, that's, that's where, that's when it's not okay. Yeah, there's a problem there. Right. That's when it becomes habitual and, and, um, you know, it's, it's not basically not acceptable, especially, you know, specifically at a place like Alabama, but just, you kind of, I, I developed thick skin. You know, getting yelled at was, getting yelled at for, was, you know, it was just part of the job. But if it was something that I truly did mess up, you know, I, I, I would take it to heart a little bit. But then I would kind of take that energy and just focus on how can I get better? Yeah. How, can, how can I fix this so I don't do that again? No. And um, with, with that improvement and that culture that you mentioned within Alabama of Outwork Yesterday... How does that culture even begin? I'm sure it starts with the coaches, but is it the, the signs around there or how the veterans are exceeding the, the younger guys? Or, or how does one just fall into the culture? Because it's always been interesting to me. Um, these guys are as good as football players as it gets. You are working for as good as a program as it gets. And we're, you're all college students. You're all either teenagers or just young 20s messing around at some point. How do people there, especially being, like I said, that popular within the program, find that discipline or, or stick with that? Is it just how bad you want to work for that program or... Or what makes you all just fall into Saban's culture? Well, I don't know exactly, you know, where the players get their motivation. I think a lot of them, you know, want to make it to the NFL. I would say almost all of them want to make it to the NFL. But in terms of just the culture, I think it all starts at the top in terms of, you know, Coach Saban, he is in the building every day at like 
8 o'clock, and he's leaving at, like, 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. I mean... That's 8 a.m. to 9, 9 p.m. Yeah, he, yeah he's, almost, he's almost there, like, 12, 13 hours a day, I would say. Wow. Um, and he's, he's very... You know, I, I've never seen anyone like him. He's just straight, you know, on a schedule every day. It's his way or the highway, basically. And it just all stems down, you know, the, the coaches understand that there's an expectation, Coach Saban's expectation, mm-hmm. and the players, you know, it, it just, it basically all trickles down. Um, it's It honestly is kind of undescribable about what the culture is like, where people find their motivation. Um, but you can kind of see when a player is starting to get you know, when, when practice is starting to get inside of a player's head, um, you can kind of see, like, other players, like, pick him up and and and, and just just get back on that tempo of, of, of being on that, you know, high-intensity practice. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure it's something every single player has experienced one way or another. You can't have a perfect day every single day, especially under, under that pressure. And speaking of that pressure and all that discipline it takes, let's take a step back and remember that you're also a student throughout that whole time. Yep. You got a bachelor's in marketing. Yep. Yeah. So how was that? How is your schedule, school schedule around all of that working out for you? So thankfully they give um, us equipment managers priority enrollment. So we were able to kind of uh, pick our classes based off of um, practice times, you know, you had to be at work every day by one thirty. So basically my mornings would be filled with classes and then had to be at work by, by one thirty. Say if you have like a class conflict, um, you have to make up that time whenever you, you know, before one thirty, um, but whenever you don't have class, but time management was really a skill that I didn't have perfected, nor do I have it perfected right now by, by no means. Um, but it was one of those skills that I had to refine just to get by and you know at Alabama because if I couldn't pass my classes then you know I would be out of my job I, I would be out of the university basically um, but it was it was a challenge you know I think it's a lot harder for the players because they have to learn the playbook and they have to you know maintain their their physical and, and mental state um, thankfully there's a ton of resources for them um, but it's still a heavy load for people our age to be carrying at a school like Alabama yeah and what what made you choose marketing originally I was business management yeah. um, but I took a marketing class and and I kind of fell in love with the idea of trying to sell people on the merits of something um, and I just felt like marketing was going to be a better fit for me um, with my future career paths. I didn't exactly know what yet I wanted to do as a career. Um, now that I have this, this job as a director of football operations, I, th- I think I'm kind of narrowing down on you know, wanting to be a, a DFO. Um, but I, I just market, there was a call to, to, you know, for marketing. And mm-hmm. I, it's, a, it's a great degree I, I love it yeah and um, right before that you you mentioned the priority enrollment which I'm I'm familiar with um, of course 
and the the making up the the time for for missing classes was that common at all like missing classes and what like what did that mean showing up at 8 a.m to do that work or or what sort of thing yeah so you basically yeah you got to make up that time say i had a class uh class conflict at like i had a class at 6 30 okay so i'd have to leave practice just a little bit um early you know as practice kind of wrapping up you know practice will end at practice will end at like 5 45 6 but you're still there for like another hour because you have to pack up the laundry put it into the bins put all the equipment up into the shed so if I had to leave class at 6 o'clock so I could get to my 6.30 class, I would have to make up like that 30 minutes of makeup time or more like an hour. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd have to show up at, you know, whatever time would work for me. Sometimes that was in between classes if, if I had an 8 a.m. and I had a 11.30, um, then I'd have to make it up at about like, you know, 9.45, 10. Yeah. You, you would have to show up at 1.30 every day. And by seven ish oh, yeah. PM, you weren't done. Yeah, it was. It's about six, and that's not including laundry. So wow. you have you have one laundry night a week. Thankfully, as you know, your seniority kind of goes up. Um, as your seniority goes up, you kind of have easier nights. You know, the harder nights are like Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Thursdays too are hard nights because you have to pack the truck at the same time. But Sunday nights are easy nights, and that was. Towards my later years, that that was a night that I had um, a lot more often. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, imagine being like a sophomore and having to do laundry on a Tuesday night, and you have like a test for your six thirty class on a Tuesday night. So you'd have to, you know, be studied for that test before you go to work at one thirty. You have to leave work a little bit early, go do that test, and you'd have to come back and do laundry. Yeah, and then you got to eat in between then because. Jeez. Yeah, it is. It's a grind. Seriously. I, I feel like that schedule is harder than the majority of student athletes. But that's, I mean, that's why us equipment managers are here because we, our job is to make their lives easier yep. in terms of just equipment, you know, equipment wise, you know, they, the players get there, they got a towel in their, in their laundry locker, their loop, you know, with all their workout clothes is all, is all in their laundry locker. They still have, like I said, they still have a lot on their load to carry, but as long as we can, you know, ensure that they're good to go come practice time or their workout in the morning, you know, their 5 a.m. workout in the morning, um, 6 a.m. actually, um, then we, we were good to go. Yeah. And was there, was there a, a different squatter or somebody else working in that morning? Um, because you mentioned there's workouts in the morning, or is it only the so, squad from 1.30 to 7? So... I mentioned the 15 equipment managers. Yeah. We all had morning work at some point during the semester. It was about three times a semester you'd have morning work. And it was just three guys that would have to show up to work that morning work. And, you know, like I said earlier, whenever the team's there, we have to be there to make sure that they're in their full uniform, you know, in their workout clothes. And they got socks. And, you know, say a player, say a player shows up and his laces are busted on his shoes. That's stuff like that just random stuff that you would never expect <laughs> it happens it happens all the time like uh, the the players would show up and their shoes would be missing because the laundry crew or not the laundry crew the the maintenance crew the the janitors would misplace it in a different locker so just random stuff like that was stuff that the three equipment managers that had to be there for morning work you know would have to attend to so say 
you know, you had that test Tuesday night and then you had laundry that night and then you had morning work the next day. Yeah. Jeez. That's when it gets tough. Yeah. That's when it like, that's when you start thinking about like, do I really, is this, is this really cut out for me? How bad do you want it? And that's what it goes down to. How bad do you want it? Yeah. I, I've actually heard coach Saban literally say that those words, how bad do you want it? Yeah. I mean, it's true. I mean, yeah. I mean, we, we, I guess we share some, some familiar words, uh, yeah. with, with that outwork yesterday and, and this, but, um, yeah, I mean the whole program just outside, I'm not like huge on, on football. I don't know much. But the reason I tend to watch Alabama every weekend isn't really for the football. It's for the execution and how you see coach Nick Saban just work every single... Because the thing that's special is that every year there's new players, but the result is exactly the same. So Oh, almost every year we have an entire new coaching staff. I mean... Because they all go head coach somewhere else, right? Right. I mean, once you get Alabama on your resume, your your job opportunities, you know, they they basically multiply and, and you're you're going on to somewhere you with a higher role, you know. You know, our offensive coordinators are becoming offensive coordinators in the NFL or you know, one of our offensive uh, Sar, uh, Steve Sarkeesian, who used to be a head coach at uh, USC, was now the head coach at Texas after being our OC for, for two years. But yeah, it's it's kind of the same thing, you know, almost basically almost every year we were getting a new offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator and we still came out with the same results. That's insane. Yeah, uh, almost every special. year, yeah. Yeah. Um with with those values, I'm not sure if you're too familiar, but there's something I a philosophy that I'm a big fan of that I try to practice every day it's stoicism and my favorite author which is a stoic author uh, ryan holiday um he has a talk at alabama i don't know if you were there while he gave that talk or if there's anything um any specific phrase or, or anything that Saban preaches or any sign on the wall that has to do with anything like that do you know or no i'm not aware of that okay yeah he he, yeah. he gave a talk uh, I don't know which year it was, but I was just curious on, on that regardless, but... I want to look that up. Yeah, no, I mean, I'll, I'll send it to you after. Yeah, please do, yeah. And if anything, I'll just leave the link for, for that below. Shout, shout out Ryan Holiday. Yeah. If he ever watches this, I mean, that, that'd be great, but I... We'll see, we'll see. Um, mo- moving on with that, uh, you just mentioned one of the coaches, and you called him by his nickname. Sark, yeah. Yes, and before this, uh, you mentioned... Uh, Devontae Smith and you called him by his nickname too Smitty yep that, that's ridiculous for for me because well I think for me and for everybody outside of Alabama because you just see these people and it's like wow crazy and then you, you just know them you have a relationship with them right and I think that's one of the reasons why I love working in sports so much is because you know to me you know working in sports these guys are just these guys are, well, they're the reason why I work, you know, they're the reason why I show up to work every day. But at the same time, they're, they're just, they're guys our age, you know. Um, there's nothing much different besides, you know, besides them and us, besides the fact that they're, you know, great athletes. Um, but guys, you know, these athletes are the reason why I love to do what I do. Um, I love being around the athletes. They're, they're great people. They appreciate you 
they understand how much, um, how many hours you're working. Um, and they know that, you know, a lot of the stuff that they do on the field couldn't be done because we're there. And, uh, you, you kind of notice that appreciation that they have for you. They, uh, they'll mess around with you and kind of like, if it's your birthday, for example, <laughs> one of their favorite things to do is like grab you and throw you in the cold tub. Um, but it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, they're, they're great people to be with and, um, I'm excited, you know, as I continue working in sports to, to continue to meet athletes and, and get to know them. Yeah. So, um, don't take it as stalking, but something I have to do for, for all of us is to study. So I went through your LinkedIn and your Instagram, which is how I know some of these things. Yeah. But I mean, when you're talking about these athletes, everybody knows the Alabama athletes, but a few of the guys you have on Instagram, like pictures with. Tua is there. Yeah. We mentioned the Sports Illustrated with Cook uh, Saban, um, Quinn and Williams, which went viral after that one yeah. clip on the yeah. interview. Uh, Bless you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly that one. Um, Mac Jones, yeah. uh, Najee Harris, and so many others. Um, what is it like? like, like you, you mentioned that relationship, but you, you said that's why you show up every single day. What is it about them that makes you want to continue showing up is it taking a role in their greatness on the field is it getting to know like you said they're not much different than us besides the fact that they're superstar athletes right but for many people maybe that's hard to understand like what do you mean they're superstar athletes but in reality once you get to know these people and it's happened to me because um some of the people i've met at cal that are special on a world stage as well they're just your everyday student. If you if you don't know that they're athletes, they're your everyday student. Um, so so what is it about that relationship with them that makes you want to show up and work every single day? Well, I think what you said is great about um, you know you being able to be a part of their success and you know helping them out. You know, for example, after practice, um, some days, or actually every day after practice. Uh, Smitty would catch uh, balls on the jugs machine. That was his goal. Is like every day he had to catch a hundred balls um, after practice, and the players would already be in the locker room. Um, one of the things I would have to do is, you know, the kickers would want to kick after practice, get get a certain amount of kicks in. So as the equipment guys were picking up, I would have to shag for the kickers because they wanted to get more kicks in. So just you know, seeing your effort translate into player success on the field is something that's a truly rewarding experience but just also having relationships with these players being someone that these players can come to because these players see you as one of them even though you're not an athlete you know they know that you're not going to come up to them and ask for an autograph like people you know on game day would no. um, they know that you're not going to bother them about something they know that you know, you're you're basically just one of them. I mean, we're not student athletes, but we're we have all you know a lot of the perks that they do, and yeah. we're working just as hard as they are, but just in a different aspect. There's two interesting things that you mentioned right off the bat, right there. Um, the first one is on the autographs and the pictures. There's no chance we. When I say we, it's. 99% of student athletes can relate to the attention and the media that those guys are getting because 
like I mentioned, they're superstars for so many people. So just the fact that they can relax around you, I think that's special. Yeah. But the other thing you mentioned on Smitty, I'm not going to call him Smitty because I don't know him, <laughs> but Devontae Smith um, and the kickers just doing that extra work. I think that the fact that you see that because the things that we see every weekend are the highlight of the work. But the fact that you get to see everything that they do before and everything that they have to do to get to where they are on the spot like that Saturday or, or Friday night or Thursday night, whenever it is on ESPN or any platform. Yeah. I think that's really special. Did you learn anything from that or something that you took away like, wow, like not, well, I mean, if you want to mention a specific moment of somebody that just impressed you and like, wow, how is he still doing this? But also the takeaway for you or something you can apply to your, your own life that maybe anybody that's listening or watching can apply to their life as well. Well, I think that these guys uh, are a great example about what it means to be great, um, about just what extent it takes to be great. You know, just putting in that extra work, even when that extra work has already, you know, been put in on, during practice. Um, you know, I mentioned Smitty, you know, catching 100 balls after practice, but it wasn't even Smitty, you know, our best receiver possibly college football's ever seen. It was our walk-ons, too, that were getting extra work in. It, that's just the extent to which the culture of Alabama is. You know, guys would go after a grueling practice and go into the weight room and get a pump in. I mean, it's it's unreal just how motivated these guys are because they want to be great. So, you know, just like we said earlier to to anyone that's listening that, that um, you know, wants to be great, we were saying earlier, you know, outwork yourself. You know, are you really outworking yourself after practice? Because, like, when you really outwork yourself, like, you can barely carry yourself off the field. You know, that's, that's and I've seen it happen, you know, where, where guys just, like, they cannot, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they can't do anything else outside of that and just so people in the audience understand because I feel like once again the grand majority 99% aren't going to understand what Alabama football practice is it's not having fun and, and doing some drills yeah. it's how long describe what a practice is like so yeah we uh, like I said we set up at 1.30 um, walkthrough starts at about 3 o'clock um, so I would have to be out at practice by about 250 because you know the first walkthrough was my special teams walkthrough. Um, so when we're installing stuff towards the beginning of the year, installing new plays, that's when I'd be out there setting my drills up for you know special teams walk. And then after special teams walk, we go into like our offense and defense walks and and if it was like the first practice of the week, then that's when we'd have our corrections where we'd correct whatever we missed. Um, you know, say the opposing offense threw something at us that we practiced, you know, last week. We practiced this coming into this game, but we still messed it up on, on this play. That was something that we'd have to correct. So it's just like finding ways to improve in every little aspect, whether it be, you know, you, you messed that up in the game last week or it's a skill set of yours that you're, it's not your greatest. You know, that's just, there's, there's so many things there's so many ways that you can get better. Um, but yeah, at three o'clock we're starting. Um, 
stretching starts at about 3.30. And then after that, we're going into like our warm-up drills where, like more like our ball security drills. So during this time, us managers are hitting the players with pads as, um, you know, different positions are kind of mashed up with different positions like quarterbacks. Or I'm sorry, wide receivers will be mashed up against the defensive backs for our, for our ball security drills. Tight ends will be um, mashed up against our outside linebackers, running backs against our inside linebackers. And this, this is just like a five-minute drill type deal. Um, but after that, that's when we start going into like our, our starts. Um, and then from there, that's when we go into like our team periods or individual. You know, individual lasts about 20 minutes or so. Okay. Um, but by the time the practice is done, you know, like I said, it was about 5.45, 6 o'clock. Three hours of practice. Just about. And then they still worked out in the morning, Just as about. a reminder. So they worked yeah. out. They have their 6 a.m. workout, which lasts one hour, one hour and a half, two um, hours? Yeah, just about an hour, hour and 15. Okay, so an hour and 15 workout, 6 a.m. Yeah. You, at least the players, right? They show up. It was up. about two, I think they work out about like, during the season, I think they work out about three times a week. They kind of try to lighten the load on, on how much you work now during the season because football's you know such a grueling sport. There's so much wear and tear on the body, but yeah, it's about three times during the season. Li- All right, so lifting or working out three times yeah. a week during the season. Yep. Then they're doing a three-hour practice, and then they're getting that extra work. And that's what it, I'm, I'm trying to emphasize. That's what it really takes to be great. That's what it takes to reach the top. And I think that many people just don't understand that. I think many people will say, you know what, I really worked hard in this drill or I, I did well in this practice, but people don't understand that this isn't about practice. It's about every single day. It's about your habits. It's about waking up at 5 a.m. for that 6 a.m. lift or 6 a.m. workout. It's about trying to balance some sort of school um, throughout that because that, that's just what it takes. So I think that's, that's special um, with, with that. And closing up on your on your Alabama um, phase of your life or, or your experience, Alabama experience, what is one of the best memories you would say for you working, yeah, at Alabama football? There's, a, there's quite a few that I could think of, you know, come right... Come, uh, come right to me. I think going viral was definitely, um, you know, one of them going viral for picking up the kickoff tee. That's a, that's I have I have yeah. written down here the tee guy. <laughs> tell tell me about that story and, and yeah. what happened. That wasn't actually the first time I went viral. I went viral like two years earlier okay. for um, another video of me picking up the kickoff tee. But this one, this uh, we had just you know we had just won the twenty twenty SEC championship game against Florida. We were uh, driving back from Atlanta to Tuscaloosa, on, and I was scrolling through Twitter, and I'm like, "What? That's me!" And it was a video of a um, from a news reporter uh, that she tweeted, and it was me running after the kickoff tee. And then basically, I think that video, that video must have gotten like a million, a million views, but then it got posted onto TikTok, and then just things blew up on TikTok. Yeah, I think on TikTok. All the videos combined must have gotten at least like five million, six million views. Wow. Yeah. But it's funny because like people, people at Alabama, like recognized me. It was it was weird. Like I was on a, I was on a date uh, with my girlfriend. Um, we weren't dating at or 
we weren't, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend at the time yet. Um, but I was on a date with her. It was actually our first date. And some guy comes up to me and he's, he's pointing at me. He's like, and he's kind of speechless. It was really, it was really weird. It was kind of awkward at first. <laughs> he had the same neck gaiter that I had on, you know, the black and the black and white Alabama neck gaiter that I always wore during COVID. Um, so to not make it awkward, I was like, where'd you get that neck gaiter? You know? And he's like, I've been timing every single one of your runs. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, you know, high school coach. I've been timing every single, I love it, man. And it, it was just, it was so funny because I would never seen this dude ever. And I'm like, who is this guy? But it, I mean, it was hilarious. We, uh, I actually got to know them, him and his wife pretty well. You know, they, they traveled to all the Alabama games, nice. super sweet people. I love them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of funny just how many people recognized me for, for doing my job. Which I, I honestly, the, I didn't even try to sprint after the kickoff tee to go viral. I was just doing it because A, I thought it was funny, Yeah, you know, um, but B, you know, just kind of goes back to the thing about if you have, if you have a job, especially at Alabama, you know, I only get one job. I mean, I have multiple roles at Alabama, but if one of my roles is picking up the kickoff tee in front of a hundred thousand, you know, screaming fans, then I'm going to do that like 110%. So that's what I always I love. Do. Like, yeah. And it's funny that it actually kind of, you know, worked out for me and, and I went viral for it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty fun going viral. Um, another, another thing that I could think of right off the bat, I don't know if you've seen that video of LSU playing Mo Bamba. If you haven't, look it up. Um, but it was during warmups and I was like smack dab in the middle of the field and LSU as part of their warmup played Mo Bamba. And it was literally just me in the middle of the field with the kickers. The teams had already been in the locker room. They were in the locker room getting ready for the game, you know, ready to come out for the game. And the stadium played Mo Bamba, and literally everybody erupted, started singing that song. Wow. And I got goosebumps just, you know, standing in the middle of the field, looking all around and hearing everyone's, uh, you know, sing Mo Bamba. It was pretty cool. Was that at LSU? That was at LSU, yeah. LSU is probably, probably my favorite away stadium that we played at just because, well, you know, LSU had great food. <laughs> um, but it was also the loudest, the loudest stadium I've ever been to. Like that, we, we, we blew them out the, that year. I think the score was like 20, score? I think it was like 23 to zero. Okay. We didn't let them score. Wow. But nonetheless, like they did not stop they did not stop screaming. Like we would not micro, you know, microphones aside, we would not be able to have a conversation. Like if I were like right here and you were right there. Wow. You could not hear because it was just constant screaming. College football is just different. It, and it's unreal. A lot of people don't realize that out here. I mean, college football in, in California is not like what it is in, in, the, in the SEC. Yeah. No. Seriously. It, it's different. Um, and e even then, I mean, I'm talking about, uh, you and, and all these either now pro football players or amazing stuff, but you mentioned LSU. You're playing against people that are still insane. 100%. I mean, there's a, there's some good quarterbacks coming out of LSU, right? Yeah. So, yeah. No. I remember when we, uh, we lost it, you know, LSU came to Tuscaloosa the year. Um, I think it was the year after that. Yeah, the year after that, LSU came to Tuscaloosa 
Donald Trump was at the game. Wow. Um, and they, they beat us that game. They went out to win the national championship. But yeah, I mean, just it's cool seeing the amount of talent that, um, you know, seeing opposing talent and we're still beating up on them. Like, I was there for Kyler Murray's last game, last collegiate game. Wow. Um, it was the Orange Bowl down in Miami. Um, it was a playoff game. We, we won that game and went on to the national championship. So but, that was Kyler's last game. Yeah, Ky- yeah that, was, that was Kyler Murray's last college game ever. And, and Yeah, and I mean, e- even that and... Like, like I mentioned, I, I was messing around with, with the quarterback, obviously, like Joe Burrow. And just amazing other players that you get, get to literally see right there. It's not even front row. It's on the field. So oh, yeah. I think that's, that's another thing that's really special. And the attention it gets, you, you mentioned Donald Trump. And so many people that literally just pull up for these games. And I don't know. I think it's unreal. Um, and the SEC, SEC football is just unreal overall um, with SEC I mean you 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 guys won SEC plenty of times but then the national championships as well yeah. so do you want to go over what you guys Absolutely. won and the rings as well so this right here is my um, 2018 SEC championship ring this um, this game was the game where Tua got injured and Jalen Hurts had to come back and this was against Georgia so we uh this was a comeback game. This was the year after we won the national championship against Georgia, so it was kind of nice to be on the field, you know, the second time that we beat Georgia in a row. I think we've beaten them, like, four or five times in a row, maybe more, actually. But this was the 2018 SEC championship game, and this was my first ring overall. Um, love this ring. This right here is my 2020 SEC championship ring. This was the ring that um, we beat Florida this past year. Um, this is my second ring overall. Um, same stadium in uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Um, this was a great game and just, you know, an amazing opportunity to be a part of, just like all these rings are, but yeah. And then lastly, I think this is my, I think I'm the most glad to be getting this ring because I was a part of that staff um, in 2018 uh, that went on to the national championship and lost to uh, Clemson. We got blown out by Clemson that year. So with that being said, this is my senior year. This was last year. Um, we beat Ohio State. And I was just, you know, this entire season with COVID and all, I didn't know if we were even going to have a season. I was, it, it's almost kind of selfish to say that, like, I didn't, I was hoping that I wouldn't, leave college without a national championship ring but thankfully you know the season worked out the way that it did and in Alabama you know we won every game this year including the national championship game and um you know just just blessed to have this ring so this was at uh this was at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami um the same game that I saw Kyler Murray play yeah um but I was on the opposite sideline this time yeah I know that's oh last one yeah yeah I got one more this is my A-Club ring. This is a ring that, um, you know, the A-Club's only like athletics. Um, after four years, you get, you, get, uh, you get this ring right here. So the A-Club has perks. Um, it's kind of a seniority type deal, whereas as members, you know, pass on, your, your benefits kind of go up. Um, it's a lot more modest 
which is why I like it. It's a lot easier to wear than these super gaudy <laughs> rings, but um, yeah, another great ring. I mean, those are things you're going to be talking about for a lifetime, yeah. quite literally. Um, that the the victory cigars, the everything that comes along with it, I think is is special. But once again, you're looking at these rings right now. You can look at all your pictures with the victory cigars. But people don't understand the work that it took to get there. And that's exactly why I have this podcast. I want to talk with people about what it takes because maybe many people aren't familiar with what an equipment manager is or, or why you have all those rings or these pictures, these relationships, these contacts. But there's a lot of work behind that. So yeah. that's, that's great overall with your Alabama experience. And moving on to, to what's next in your life right now. Um, you're going to Southeastern Lakeland, Florida. Um, you're, you're getting an MBA focused on sports management, and then you're working as director of football operations there for the football team. Coming from Alabama football, what's the biggest lesson you could give to to that team just right off, right off the bat? Well, I think the biggest lesson that I can um, give to the team and I think it's just showing them what hard work, um, you know, what kind of expectations you can, or what kind of results you can expect with the hard work that you put in. Um, so that's one of my challenges to myself is, you know, how can I make this place the best possible version of it, you know, with my impact? Um, you know, the resources aren't, aren't as, as many as Alabama. So that's one of my biggest challenges um, as the director of football operations. But just showing these guys what hard work can really get you is, is something that I've, I'm hoping to uh, show to these guys. I'm hoping to show a lot of it through um, just by leading by example. You know, I, I feel like that's one of the best ways to teach people by leading by example um, but yeah I'm super excited um, I can't wait to change this program for the better yeah um, so yeah yeah that's, that's gonna be great and I think um, like you you just mentioned the resources are different and going from the number one team for college football in the nation on the planet whatever you want to call it I think moving to any other team is just going to be different and it's a completely different experience but I think it's definitely going to to help you and make you grow um, I think it may even force you to grow so that, that's going to be special for you what are what is your job like what does a DFO do and tying that into your future why did you choose this role and what is it that you want to connect it with uh, whether it be your MBA or whatever future job you want to get into? Well, going forward, I, um, I think I've kind of narrowed down on being a director of football operations. Um, I think I want to go back to the collegiate level after, um, or rather stay in the collegiate level. Um, at some point during my career, I want, to, I want to test out the waters in the NFL. Um, but I think I have for sure narrowed down, you know, that role that I want to specifically work as, and that's, you know, director of football operations. The director of football operations, man, they, there's so much that they have to 
oversee basically everyday operations of the team, um, whether it be you know scheduling stuff like scheduling um, hotels for future games, scheduling meals, scheduling travel. Um, with my background in equipment, a lot of one of the things that they're uh, one of the things that they are you know, expecting a lot out of me is, is to help out with the equipment department. So ordering equipment, something that I've, I've been doing, um, you know, issuing a lot of that equipment. I, right now I have, you know, my, my foot in the door with a lot of the equipment operations at Southeastern. Um, as I get a little bit more help, I'll be able to kind of transition more into, uh, administrative stuff. Um, but you know, I will be in charge of just basically being the head coach's right-hand man. So basically all the, the head coach's right-hand man, or not the head coaches, all of the coaches' uh, right-hand man so that they can focus specifically on the X's and O's, you know, the coaching, and not as much as, you know, the, the, the small itty-bitty stuff. And the administrative stuff right. besides that. Right. And... Yeah, I think that's going to open up a lot of doors for you, uh, obviously, and we'll see what, what's in store for you uh, for the future. Is there, there anything else you, you'd like to add before we, we close out this episode? Oh, man, well, I want to I thank you so much for having me on. This has a, uh, been a truly um, unique experience, and, I, and I've loved it. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing this episode obviously like one thing is sitting down here but i'm already excited to watch it so yeah. this was a great episode your insight was amazing your stories were were amazing thank you for for accepting this offer Absolutely. and i can't wait to do this again with you after you yeah hopefully uh, next time we come together i mean i'll have some uh, I'll have some new stories to tell yeah that'd be great um all right well that, that's it for this episode of denting with fed thank you guys all for either watching on youtube or listening on spotify if you're on youtube please make sure to like and subscribe if you're on spotify just make sure to click all the buttons um that's it for today i'll see you all next week and yeah have a good day awesome man that was great bro thank you thank you let's see thank you so much for listening to today's episode make sure to subscribe to my podcast and follow me on my personal social media accounts for more all at Fer Andraes. All links are in the description. If this episode inspired you in any way, please help me out by sharing it with a friend to help them leave their dent in the universe as well. That's it for today. I'll see you all next time.